Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is dev. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. From On Our Mind to The City of Brotherly Love, my brother from another mother and father. We're, we're not related in any way, other than the, the fact that we're both human beings. It's Patrick Cunningham. Yeah. Yay, Patrick. Hi. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> so good to be back. Oh, it's so good to talk to you for, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit for folks um, who are just starting the episode now. We've been talking for almost an hour already. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't be left alone together. <laughs> it, it's it's true. And 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 our 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 conversations are a journey. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is very, They're all very over true. the place. I love it. So uh, I think last time we talked, I don't think you had moved to Philly yet, or had you just moved? Literally, I was sitting in my office, which was packed with boxes. <laughs> like, literally, I was sitting next to, like, a uh, boxes stacked to the ceiling, and now we are, we've been in Philly since March, and it's been lovely. We love it. Awesome. Yeah, the wife and I... Um went to philly i want to say sometime last year and had an absolutely great time it is if you've never been to philly there is something for everyone in terms of food history culture fun things there's there's all kinds of stuff have you you know diving into the culture of philadelphia mm-hmm. has one thing jumped out at you that might not jump out to somebody who doesn't know who doesn't live there you know, uh, I actually, okay, so as someone that grew up in Jersey, right, yeah. it, to me, it wasn't immediately apparent, but my wife, who grew up in Georgia, mm-hmm. and is Georgia all the way, right, had a really good, astute observation I had never heard before. She okay. said that a lot of, by and large, obviously, you can't put everyone in a bucket, right? Of course, of course. But by and large, for the most part, in the South, people maybe people are nice, but they're not kind, People here may not be nice, but they're all kind. Interesting. And it's really interesting. It's the kind of thing where, like, if you break down on the side of the road here, someone is going to stop the car and be like, you idiot, why didn't you change your oil? Hold on, let me change your oil for you. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It's really great. Like, people will be like, move, please. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I, I think there's kind of like an abruptness that people take as rude and it's not rude. It's just, we're all, because in a lot of other cities, you have like, you know, the five boroughs of New York, for example, right? Of course. They're all kind of self-contained. Mm-hmm. Philly doesn't have that. Philly's all just one thing. It's There's different sections of Philly, but they all flow seamlessly into one another. There's bridges, yeah. but it's it's just one 
giant mega city. It's, it's America's, you know, it's the oldest major city in America. Yeah. It's the birthplace of American democracy, however you feel about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people forget, you know, everybody thinks, you know, New York, D.C., like uh, Philadelphia they, gets overlooked, I feel they like. They signed but, the like, Declaration of Independence here. Yeah, yeah. It all went down cool. in Philadelphia. Oh, Fourth man. of July was off the chain here. <laughs> I bet. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Just Philly is just a really... I have I have yet to have a bad meal here. Nice. Uh, they nice. take food seriously here. They are not playing. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot of fun. Uh, we, you know, I I have like what I love having the option to go to like independent movie theaters. Like AMC's fine. I'm not, but like we go to theater. We go to see movie. We went to see Barbie last week at the Philadelphia Film Society, and it was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. And they do like weekly screenings of like RRR and old like Stanley Kubrick films and stuff like that. Yeah. It's great. There is something to do every night. We went to a Golden Girls murder mystery dinner. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. There is something fun to do. There are multiple fun things to do every day. The uh, A couple nights ago, we went to see, and while everyone else was doing Barbie, uh, doing Barbieheimer, yeah, we did Barbastic Park. Oh. Uh, we went to Barbie in the, for a matinee, and then later went to at the Man Center. We watched the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra perform the score of Jurassic Park as Jurassic Park played on the screen. Oh, that sounds like so much fun! It was very cool. So, like, there are cool things all the time. I got to watch since I saw you. Uh, I got to watch the Fugees get back together 50 feet away from me. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The Roots picnic was awesome. Uh, I watched the best and worst concerts of my life while I've been here. Uh, the, the Fugees being one of the best. Um, Ludacris being one of the worst. Uh, really? <laughs> of Ludacris. That, that shouldn't he's, surprise me. <laughs> he's just acting. Like, he's, I think he's, he, he got to stop taking the money and run. He, he basically just, Played tracks of Ludacris. Yeah. Like said like every seventh word and then just held the mic out to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and every and I thought I was alone and just being hypercritical that I went online and everybody was like, yo, what was up with Ludacris? And we're like, that's <laughs> terrible, dude. It makes me think of that uh Hannibal Burris set where he had seen some hip hop act who did essentially what you just described. And he was like, I couldn't do that with my career. You couldn't play a bit of mine over the PA. And I just lip sync or not even lip sync, but then just chime in with the punchline. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh, I've never heard that, but that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. It was as a fan of music and as a performer, it was offensive to me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, we were like, Oh man. And my wife, because she's a Georgia girl, she was really excited to see old Chris Lubba Lubba. Yeah. She was really excited to see Ludacris and just wow. she walked away doing that thing that a lot of people do where she tried to convince herself it was really good. And I was like, was it though? Was it? <laughs> and then it took her about two days and she was like, okay, yeah, that was maybe the worst concert I've ever seen. I was like, yeah. it's bad. It's pretty bad. Don't get me wrong. Love him in the Fast and the Furious movies. Of course, one of my favorite people to ever host Saturday Night Live. Right, Chris is great. 
I think he's done being a performer in yeah. that card, a musical. I think he's done being a musical act. Yeah, there's there's certain times where like certain uh certain performers transition from like one medium to another, and then some of them are able to go back, but a lot of them, for the most part, it's kind of like once you start exercising a different set of muscles, you right. know, it's very hard to go back. You know, you look at folks like Eddie Murphy, who mm-hmm. arguably one of the greatest stand-up comics of all time. Yeah. At a posi- at a point, he transitioned to film and would not go near a mic for the longest time. Like, I think when SNL did the 40th, that was yeah. like his first time, like back on stage in any sort of capacity that even remotely looked like something Comedy. he used to do. Yeah. And you could see it in his face of just kind of like, oh, I've forgotten all of this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's easy to do. It's really yeah. easy to do. You can forget it. And look, that's why I have immense respect for guys like, like Dave Batista. Yeah. Dave Batista has just straight up been like, no, I'm an actor now. I have people, apparently the WWE has offered him like buku dollars to come back. And he's like, no, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. Sorry, I'm going to go do Dune. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then you look and what well, you all, you have a big respect for guys like that who kind of know and they're just like, look, I'm at a certain age. My yeah. body can can or can't do the things that I used to do. This is the world I'm in now. Then you've got guys like The Rock. Yeah. Who just okay. seem to kill it at everything. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Cena is the same way. Cena. Yeah. Who also was in the Barbie movie. <laughs> Was he really? Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil it, but uh, he has a pretty cool little cameo in the in the Barbie movie. Nice. I can. I have some thoughts. I don't spoil them, but if I was a betting man, I have a feeling I know the capacity of what he's in the movie as. <laughs> it's really good. Is it's it so good? Uh, that 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 right there is just a whole Barbie was fantastic, and anyone complaining about it is insecure it's yeah. a very good movie so speaking of people complaining things we're going to shift gears here oh, into Star I love, Trek. i love that transition um i've noticed now you know not to list everybody's life goes at a different pace you were uh you know you let me know that you're not completely caught up on strange new worlds just yet and that's fine yes. mm-hmm. but have you seen a lot of the hate already coming up for subspace rhapsody this episode yeah. that's coming out that where it's yes. supposed to be the musical episode yeah thoughts about any of that i'm i'm baffled by it honestly there have been episodes of all sorts of shows that they have done a musical episode of yeah i mean batman the brave and the bold had a musical episode didn't buffy have a musical episode buffy had one scrubs yeah. had one scrubs uh, it's a tradition They've never done it in Star Trek. It's time. Yeah. I, it, it, you know, looking back when 2017 hit and Discovery premiered. Yeah. I think after those first two episodes, which essentially comprised the pilot of Discovery. Right. I think a lot of the more savvy Trek fans were like, oh, this is all new. Like this is a, this is new ground. And the series that came out after Discovery within the under the umbrella of quote-unquote new trek didn't dissuade from that like there is a different trek for every different mood yep strange new worlds is an anomaly in and of itself in that 
not only did they return to episodic, mm-hmm. they were also they they have also kept serialized character arcs and have been able to deliver a different feel of Trek with every different episode. They did a they did a D and D episode. Like oh my god, amazing! We're just we are just a few days past the release of the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover, which went yeah. off, which went off like gangbusters. Of it, course, it did. It because worked everyone so involved well. Was great. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, to see like less than two weeks out, people just hearing, "Oh, there's a musical episode." Nope. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Not real Trek. I. It's no like, way. You and I have talked about this so much. Look, first of all. If your entire personality is hating things, then get another personality. <laughs> uh, two, you know what? What is what is my saying? There's never a time that Star Trek is on my television where I am unhappy. It's on my television. Yeah, yeah. It could be silly. It could be serious. I'm always happy that it's on, and people don't get to gatekeep what Star Trek is. In 1987, there were people who were like 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 blowing up buildings and so on well, no, not that quite like that but you know right they were like protesting you know oh it, who's this old bald guy as the captain yeah and now to a lot of people TNG that's like the gold standard the gold standard of star trek yeah um I remember when Deep Space Nine, oh, they don't even go anywhere. And those people, by the way, they're a minority, but they still exist. Yeah. And yeah. I and by the way, whenever anyone says that, I'm like, oh, you clearly haven't watched Deep Space Nine. They go lots of places. <laughs> they are all over the place. They That's go to Cardassia. They get they go to the Dominion home, the the the, the home world of changelings. It's it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Every Star Trek is a little bit different. What is constant is the structure of Trek. and But the storytelling changes with the shows. And I think the people who get mad about this stuff honestly just need, in, in the words of, uh, in the words of William Shatner, get a life. <laughs> get a life, dude. Like, yeah. bad that they're doing a, a musical episode. I am certain that they will find a way to give a scientific explanation on the show as yeah. to why everyone is there is a musical episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> the gang turns black. It's an amazing episode. Yeah. Yeah. No one was like, what a stupid episode. People were like brilliant because it's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And no it's... one gets to well, the best thing about star Trek is sometimes it's a comedy. Sometimes it's a drama. Yeah. Gosh, sometimes it's a love story. Story. Sometimes you could say that about the human condition. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, so looking at all of those things, we come to this episode of Discovery where there is a lot of things happening. In, so much. There's so much happening. So much. Uh, a lot of it could be, um, you know, we've got, uh, w- without getting too spoilery, uh, we've got, you know, Tyler contacting his ex-lover because they're about to go to the planet where their son is, but that's where we got to get a time crystal. And that's where Pike learns about the, this, that, and the other thing, not only, and you know, Burnham and Spock have finally reconciled. Now they got to go investigate. They are investigating section 31, which is about to kill everything. Like 
there's so and and to be honest like we're here at the end or damn close to the end of season two which has been such a big departure from season one amazing and, and this episode i feel this may be letting the cat out of the bag a little bit but this episode sets the stage for strange new worlds sure does that this, pilot episode the beginning of the backdoor pilot yeah this, this is kind of the 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 very beginning of the backdoor pilot that is strange new worlds well yeah. really the whole season is Pretty much, yeah. Once you uh, meet Anson Mount, it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The moment, the moment the Enterprise shows up, you're like, oh, it's gonna be cool. Yeah, uh, and it really is. Like, it's just I. What's so funny too? I was thinking about this prior to coming in here. I just you remember how we pointed out last time that somehow I think I've been on this show three times. Yeah, and all of them have been bottle episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is oh, this episode is like the opposite of a bottle episode. Yeah. This <laughs> Whatever is the, the exact opposite is. This is a, uh, this is the cork. This is a multi this is a multi cork for multiple bottles. <laughs> like insane. Insane because there's so many different but what I love is it's so cohesive because they managed to tell essentially if I'm looking at it at least three different stories at the same time. Yep. Cohesively mm-hmm. and they all somehow wrap in together. Yeah. It's perfect exactly well uh, folks also I, feel like- I i i i honestly ship uh bearded spock or as i like to call him daddy spock uh <laughs> daddy spock one of us uh, yeah. I, I love it so much i was walking around i was watching the episode and i just started going daddy spock do 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 daddy spock do 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 daddy spock it's the best oh my god that's so good uh, it i i Love how well I love the dynamic between Spock and Michael Burnham. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's no. It's, yeah. It's it's such a it's such a unique relationship that when you know at this point and and, and then we'll get to the recap, folks. I promise. Yeah. But um, at this point when they go off together in the shuttle, mm-hmm. that moment just prior to takeoff is the closest that we've seen to a stereotypical brother sister the only rivalry time. relationship uh, and they, they literally say are you coming brother yes sister that's it yeah. That's- yeah and and to be honest like burnham's resistant to it a little bit and then when he presents his very logical reasoning she just oh <laughs> i was like that can't is even a, argue with him that is a very very real emotion well folks we've danced and we've tiptoed around the meat of this episode today. So before we get any further, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, David Willett, and Ed Milner. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This new signal is the fourth of seven. It appeared over the Klingon planet of Boreth. Whatever it is you're not telling us about Boris, I need to know. These signals have invested in discovery, but you must not dismiss the importance in defeating control. That's a Section 31 ship. They are all Section 31 ships. They're coming for us. The signal brought us here for a reason. The future hasn't been written yet. A new signal appears over Boreth, a planet which has a Klingon monastery where monks guard time crystals. Ooh, that's interesting. 
Pike visits the monastery to retrieve a time crystal and finds that Tyler and Laurel's son, yeah, remember that from way back when, is now a full-grown adult named Tenevik. I guess. Tenevik explains that life on Boreth is affected by the crystals and that if Pike takes one, he won't be able to change the future that it shows him. Pike sees a future where he's severely disabled in an accident, but chooses to take the crystal anyway to serve the greater good. Meanwhile, Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship that had checked in 10 minutes later than usual and find all of the crew dead except for one, Gant, an old colleague of Burnham's who's been possessed by control and attempts to transfer control into Burnham's body. Spock is able to stop control with magnetism and they escape back to Discovery. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> the Section 31 fleet soon arrives, forcing Pike to order Discovery be destroyed to keep the sphere data away from control. Ooh, that's interesting. So, jumping in here, like you said, we've got three, normally a lot of shows have like an A plot, a B plot, that's how it works. But we've got an A, a B, and a C plot here. A yeah. plot... I'll just pick one. It seems like, I guess in terms of the overall hierarchy of what is most crucial, I think the A plot, of course, follows Burnham. Yeah. <laughs> Burnham and Spock with the Section 31 control thing. Right. B, B plot, plot is Pike. Pike with the time crystal. With the time crystal. C plot is the slowly eroding, hopefully coming back together of Stamets and Culber. Yeah, with with uh, the the irrepressible Tignataro as Jet Reno, the oh. best name in the history of Star Trek, Jet Reno. Uh, yeah, uh, we we learn more about her, and then yeah. D plot, D plot. We have the whole thing with uh with with Ash Tyler and Chancellor Laurel. Yeah, gosh, yeah, you're absolutely There's right. There's an A, B, C, and D plot all happening at the same time. It's kind of like a subplot of the B plot. It's like B.5. <laughs> it's like B.5. Yeah, plots. because it ties into the yeah. Well, because Captain Pike thing. Yeah, because we meet. Um. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, we're we're getting. But that back. story. If you think about it, it's not really because that story started before Pike was even on the show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. It just so, in. in fact, let's start there. Let's start because that's in the cold open of like, yeah, Tyler just being like, hey, let me give my ex-girlfriend a call. Hang on. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you get so used to him that you forget. Oh, uh, he's Vogue. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's it's really interesting to look at, um, you know, the nature of jealousy and uh things that can crop up when you have any sort of interaction with someone and not even necessarily romantic in your life but someone from your past and how that can drudge up old feelings but it also kind of drudges up a little bit of confusion as to okay i remember you as this now you're here what happened in between there might be the story that they give you, but I mean, that's a bulleted story at best. Have, have have you seen this in your own life of like, where, you know, you know a person at some point, they're out of your life for an extended period, but then they maybe make a brief cameo, as it were, in your current life. And you're like, oh, things are different with you now. Have you ever seen that? Oh, 
all the time, especially now that I've moved up to like my old stomping grounds. I'm like back here on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. The people that I grew up with. And like, I'll give you an example. Guy I went to high school with, one of my best friends yeah. uh, who I hadn't seen in years. He was like the kid that like punched a cop in high school. <laughs> and like now he has like a really great job that is like going on vacations with his family to Disney World. And I'm like, wow. Who are you? You I watched you fight a cop once. And like um yeah, and and that's just just inter- I, I love the fact that but the thing is about Laurel and Voke specifically are yeah. they are trauma bonded. Oh yeah. They're trauma bonded. And so now this isn't like just seeing an ex. Yeah. It's like seeing a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. It's and- it's having lunch with the monster that was chasing you for a while and just and yeah yeah and, and again they have such a complicated relationship uh-huh and they're both in such different places she is the chancellor of the klingon empire yeah and he is a section 31 operative presenting as a human yeah even though it is kind of an open secret that he is a klingon uh-huh and i mean Going back to the nature of like human relationships, uh, you know, romantic or otherwise, even just like casual acquaintances, I re- and I'll I'll be careful to save some of the details here for yeah, know. please. But I remember working in uh, first of all, I have a martial arts background. I think it's come up a couple of times in yeah. a few different episodes. But growing up in the martial arts school, there were other kids and stuff, and there were parents who took lessons as well. There was one family who. Um, their son was a little bit younger than me. The parents, obviously, a little bit older. Um, then that family left the school. You know, it happens. People come and go. It is the nature of things. Um, fast forward years later, the parent is now working in law enforcement. I was working in law enforcement, and we crossed paths of like, right. oh, hey. And it's, it was just kind of like, oh, and you're at the time, I was a jailer. So the yeah. other parent was a was an officer bringing someone in. And so it was really weird to connect again. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we exchanged pleasantries and, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, you're with such and such, uh, you know, jurisdiction, yada, yada, yada. And yeah, I'm working here at the jail. And, okay, that's great. Well, it was good to see you. Take care. Be safe out there. Mm-hmm. Time goes by. Um, now I am still at the jail. And one night I am stationed in uh, maximum maximum security. Right. And part of maximum security is, I mean, it is one person to a cell. That cell is very small. You are essentially in isolation. It is maximum security for a reason. Yeah. So I'm going door to door doing my checks that we do every hour. And I open one of the doors and I check the inmate. Inmate kind of gives me, you know, a nod and sort of raises the eyebrows. And I nod back, close the door, move on to the next one. And as I'm working my way around, I think about that one inmate who gave me the eyebrow raise and something's off. And so I went back to the office and started looking up, started looking up the roster of all the people that I had in my unit at the time in maximum security. And then the name jumped out and hit me like a ton of bricks. It was the officer that was the parent from my God. And so I was just like, okay, I can't make a big deal about this that I'm I know who this person is. Yeah. So when it came time to serve breakfast, I come back around, I give them their tray and I take a few extra minutes and go, 
what happened? And he goes, I can't, I can't say anything. And needless to say, I went back and because I had access to the records. Yeah. You had to look it up. I was like, well, if you're not going to say, I'm going to pull up the records. And needless to say, what I found was shocking, horrifying, and sickening. Wow. And it was just like, I had no idea that you were this person. This kind of person. (laughs) And it's, you know, you know, sometimes time reveals those things and you just kind of, you're you're left with your jaw on the floor of like, I had no idea. And it becomes such a shock that you just don't even know what to do. And I feel like that's kind of a little bit of what Burnham experiences when Tyler's like, the reason this, the reason I got to call my ex and the reason we're here at this planet. And I think it's really weird is because it's where my son is. (laughs) Yeah. Of just like, and I couldn't tell anybody because the Klingon empire would fall and the war would start again. Like that is a lot of pressure for someone to carry around and good on Burnham for being like, Oh my gosh, I wish you'd have told me so you wouldn't have to carry this by yourself. Like, wow, what a burden to carry. Um, Any thoughts about any of that? Um, I mean, honestly, like, look, you and I are both in the comedy sphere. Yeah. Uh, That happens in comedy. Uh (laughs) A lot. Oh, yeah. It happens a lot. I mean, you know, I'm not naming names, but I heard about a, there's, there's a, yeah, every once in a while. You know, you you will have worked with a comic or done someone's show, and you're like, man, oh, that person's really cool. And then a year later, you're like, oh, that person's a horrifying person. Oh yeah, that's you know, I don't know that person <laughs> at all. I got, I, I got a, I got a doozy of one. Not, not the one I just mentioned. I got a doozy. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a few details in the after show. So hey, sure, sure, sure. If anybody wants to hear part of a story please consider subscribing on Patreon. <laughs> um, okay, so so we handle that aspect and that is bonkers enough. Let's go on to one of the big things here is Pike getting mm-hmm. his hand on that time crystal and yeah. seeing the future. Yeah. And, and knowing, because the guy, the the head monk who turns out to be the only months old infant that was drops that was dropped off yeah uh, because time works differently for them but he gets his hands on that time crystal and sees the future but the the head monk was just like there's a price to pay i don't think you're strong enough for what the chris if the crystal reveals to you if the crystal reveals your answers i don't know that you're going to be strong enough to yeah to hear them well on top of that too he, he i mean they, they kind of say that because of the way the time flows if you pluck that crystal if you take that crystal that is set that's it it's yep. set and pike has to make like what a g captain christopher pike my is one of the baddest dudes ever because yeah for him to he could have done the look it, it gets the the old adage you know the needs of the many yeah yeah and because that's what's at stake the many everything 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 yeah it's it's his life versus the all sentient life all sentient life all sentient life and so he has to pick the uh he picks the crystal knowing what it go what goes along with it and you know as you know you and i know we've watched the rest of this show and we you know watched strange new worlds yeah and we've seen the original series Uh uh-huh we know what's to come. That's what makes his story so interesting. 
Yeah, truly. Yeah, it really does. Because, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the wife and I are also working our way again through Doctor Who. And yeah, uh, right now we're in Matt Smith's Smith's journey here. Uh, But I think back to the episode with uh, in David Tennant's run where he put his essence in the watch. Yeah. And that thing that just gives me chills is the woman that he fell in love with there talking about the differences between the two personalities. Mm -hmm. She really sticks it to him. I think she sticks it to him harder than anybody stuck it to the doctor. Yeah. She says, um, you chose, you chose to hide. He chose to die. I was just like, Oh, I forgot about that. I need yeah. Doctor Who. Oh, it, you know, it, it's 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 no wonder why Star Trek and Doctor Who are the oldest running sci-fi franchises there, in the world. A, they have a formula that works, and even when you deviate from that formula, the core of it is still there. Yeah, and you know, and looking at that, juxtaposed to what Pike does, ultimately sees the future. And knows what he has to do. You yeah. you see him you see him remind himself of his code of ethics from yeah. Starfleet. He goes, "This is it. This is this is what this is what my entire career in Starfleet has led to is a decision like this." And he grabs it, breaks it off, and he's like, "All right, let's go." And yeah. it's oh my god, it's so powerful. We all I gotta go somehow. Yeah, I feel like there. I feel like the episode almost downplays it a little bit of like. No, this is a huge, huge deal. Dramatic moment. Oh my yeah. God. Imagine finding out exactly what your fate is. Yeah. I, the weight of that. It adds so much depth yeah. to Pike, knowing that he has to go through everything he's going to go through. Yeah. Only to end up essentially a vegetable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a prisoner in his own body. Oh, his own body stuck in his own mind. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, one of my favorite musicians, a guy named Frank Turner. Frank Turner has a line in one of the, one, one of his songs that says, well, if you're all about the destination, then take an effing flight. Because <laughs> What a great line. Because honestly, the fact, I think Pike knew in that moment that just no matter what his fate is, it's all about the life you live that leads to that fate. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about what happens at the end to you. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. You know, everyone has their own beliefs and whatever. But to me, that it's all about living life while you can and doing the bat- the most, putting the most good into the universe while you can. And that's kind of what Pike's doing. And I think it make, it just really goes into how selfless he is. Yeah. 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 I think you're absolutely right. Well, let's let's move on to our, uh, our third uh, plot, plot here. Um, <laughs> Culber and Stamets, who are on the outs, mm-hmm. uh, Culber's moved out of the out of their quarters. Yeah, and um, we see Stamets kind of resigned to like, well, there's my former lover, and here I am sitting eating mashed potatoes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> four feet away. But then gets kind of a little bit of a nudge from the gem yeah. of this of this show. Uh, Jet Reno played wonderfully by Tig Notaro. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. I mean, as again, you and I are in the comedy sphere of life. Uh, Tig Notaro is like, just, I didn't think Tig Notaro could be any cooler than they are. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. And uh, 
we also learn a lot about Tig, uh, about Jet Reno's character in over the course of the episode stuff we didn't know about them. Yeah. But like, and by the way, I also love, I want to start playing the antonym game. Oh. That they play with Linus. Yeah, yeah. I did. Fact, I, I saw it, but didn't have, I, didn't I would have a chance literally... to absorb it. Okay, so the antonym game is so simple. Mm. I would literally like to play that game. That might be uh that might be something we have to incorporate into a uh, computer resume podcast. Game. The antonym game. I love it so much. Literally is my favorite modern antonym because it used to not be an antonym and now it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's a good um, one. I as a as a, as a uh, as a as a fan of the English language, Linus made me happy. So I was like, ha, well played. Nice. Yeah, let's let's look at uh just before we move on, I do want to take a look at the interaction between Jet Reno mm-hmm. and Culber yeah. in Stick Bay. Yeah. And look at that for a second, because I feel like there was, I think, you know, again, you and I know of Tig Notaro and her life and her illnesses and her relationship. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, being involved in comedy but still on the outside of someone's life and personality we know what we know but i feel like some of this was put into those few lines it's not a long scene no but i feel like so much of tig was poured into that Mm -hmm. into that scene and her being able to say not everybody gets a second chance yeah yeah make the best of it and gives him the gives him that little pat on the shoulder which I feel that that gesture alone says so much. It's such a weight of just like take it. It's it, it's a pat of please take it from someone who's been there. Don't yeah. let this slip through. Don't let don't let this pass you by. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean, well, that's you know also again, it's where we find out she's she's a widow. Yeah, yeah, and like my God, and first of all. Tig and Wilson Cruz are both just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And like Wilson Cruz is so amazing in that role as Hugh. Yes. And I just, I honestly think they brought so much truth to that scene. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't feel disingenuous. It didn't feel like they were acting at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think that they are both people who have probably seen enough adversity in their life. Mm-hmm both from people and from their own bodies and stuff. Yeah. They, they just killed it, man. Like it's so good. So uh, I I think we've kind of examined at least, you know, the, the big parts, we didn't really talk about, um, you know, Spock and um, Spock and Burnham on the section 31 ship encountering, encountering another form of control. Yeah. Which was just eerie, like really eerie. Really, really. It literally just uh, the, literally um <laughs> the, the yeah I, I actually made some notes here let's see uh i think it was smart that they, you know he tried to cage the ai with the dummy startup system but then they find out that he's that the ai is in gant control yeah. is in gant yeah and gant was just reanimated gant's been dead yep and i love how they kind of picked up on enough context clues that that control didn't get the jump on them yeah yeah. But I also love that control was fast enough to realize that they realized it when they did. That's just such an awesome scene. Also, I did love, I've noticed something. 
when they were talking about we want to cage the AI with a dummy startup system. That's exactly what they did with Wesley Crusher's cyber fleas. Yeah. That's how they solved the cyber flea problem on, <laughs> on, on in TNG. Yeah. And I was like, that's a nod. Oh, absolutely. A nod. Smart nod. <laughs> uh I I I just I really loved it. Um I think that it uh that entire thing went great. Now I not to jump ahead, but the 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 end of the episode. Yeah. Um okay, I have a question. So okay. Yeah, they noticed one. So the section 31 fleet jumps in mm-hmm. and it's 30 ships. Yep. Why isn't it 31 ships? <laughs> well, I all did... you needed was an extra ship, dude. Yeah. Launch well, a I... shuttle, make it 31. I think they even said, uh, I think uh, Saru has the line nearly the entire fleet. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's maybe, maybe section 31 is set is 31 31 ships that are sectioned from the rest of the fleet. Well, because I, I I'm a big fan of section 31. I do recall um, oh, please, as cool. part of as part of my as part of my re- research for a very secret project. Um, I did come across the origin of section 31, and I it's it stems from the Federation Charter of Article okay. 4. Article 14, Section 31, which is basically setting up, hey, look, when diplomacy fails, we do what we need to do. That's in in a in a in a in a very short paraphrase. They're the Federation CIA. (laughs) Yeah, they're the CIA. Yeah, they are. They are black ops. This is like if they were the Avengers, they would be the secret Avengers where it's like, hey, look, we have to go kill this people. You know, we have to go kill this person because it's going to establish trade and healthy relationships along the way it's they yeah. are they are the um you know the necessary evil as it were this is where diploma when di- diplomacy will not solve anything here exactly yeah and for the stuff that is outside of normal diplomatic scientific exploration yeah it's section which 31. is so crazy to me Oh, yeah. Because it just flies right in the face of Starfleet's charter yep. and the Federation's charter. Yeah. They're explorers. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go back to if you go back to Enterprise, yeah. NX01 was out there flying solo. And they're yeah. like, hey, not everybody's cool with us just scientifically bebopping around. Like, yeah, can we have some more weapons and armor, please? Yeah. <laughs> It's season one. They're like, ooh, Ooh, this isn't this isn't gonna work out for us. We get some pretty (laughs) awesome. Can we get some photon torpedoes, please? Right. And then you know, flash forward to the end of Enterprise, Demon Demons and Terra Prime, where you've got Peter Weller, yeah, playing that wonderful villain. Yeah. Um, had section 31 been in play? Well, section 31 was in place because we learned that Malcolm was part of section 31. Yeah. Um but if section 31 had a more prominent presence within the Federation at that point, a sniper's round would have taken that guy out. Yeah. You know, that they'd have taken that they'd have taken care of that. And nobody would have, nobody would have batted an eye. It was just like, Oh, there was a cave collapse and you know, this dude passed away. Oh, well, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of their MO. And now getting into discovery, like jumping forward, from Enterprise to Discovery, we see like between the stuff that Temporal Agent Daniels brought back in Enterprise 
One of my favorite characters on that show, by the way. Exactly. He's amazing. Um, Not to mention like all this super advanced tech that they have. Yeah. Creates what we know in discovery as section 31. Now, you know, much past this, once we get into the legacy era, we don't hear from section 31 for a long time and not till later in deep space nine and into Voyager. But then that's when enterprise got into production and, you know, and all of that stuff. So it's a weird, it's a, you know, we're looking at time through different prisms here. Um, So one more thing I want to mention before we move, well, first of all, did you have anything else from your notes that you wanted to hit on? No, that's really it. Uh, okay. Just really that. And I, hold on. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, no, that was really it. I did love, I did love this separately, but that they, that Pike just having this weight on him. Yeah. Still comes back and talks to Laurel and Ash and gives them back the symbol of the torchbearer. Yes, that from, was a really nice moment from Tenevic because and now because they got this closure that they know not only is their son alive, but their son is now an adult already. Yep. And is kind of like the wise elder of the guardian of time, the guardian of time. Their son is the guardian of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's Man. it's so I, I kind of there was a part of me, even though I'd seen this episode before when Tyler gets the, the symbol, I kind of wish he had gone and added it to his uniform, like on, yeah. the, on the opposite side from the section 31 badge. Yeah. Um, just as part of, you know, that's part of who he is. That's part of his past. And that's, that's who he is as an agent within the Federation. So one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, and this kind of jumps ahead from what, from where I would normally talk about this, but I don't want to let this go for too long. Please. The, the title of this episode mm-hmm. through the Valley of shadows is yeah. an allusion to the 23rd Psalm from the Bible. Yeah. Um, the full line. Yea, Though I walk through the Valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And of course the 23rd Psalm is much longer than that, but um, I think in terms of what Pike is experiencing here, you know, we already touched on all the stuff going on with Pike, but one of the things I didn't mention in when we initially discussed it is his reaction when he lets go of the, of the crystal for the first time, we see Pike, not afraid. We see him terrified. Oh yeah. Truly terrified. Anytime you see him really terrified, he's a yeah. cool customer. He is. So looking at what Pike is experiencing along with the implications of this title, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I think with with what Pike is experiencing here is not only is he walking through the valley of the shadows of death, truly, because it is a shadow of his future, but he is actively choosing that walk. Yeah. And it is really hard not to fear, <laughs> not to fear that. And I, I was wondering if you had it because, you know, I'm currently in the buckle of the Bible belt. You spent a significant portion of your life down here as well. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about what Pike is seeing, what he's experiencing, what he's feeling along with this biblical, this biblical sense mm-hmm. of fear and death and the oncoming monster, the oncoming storm. Yeah. Any thoughts to any of that? I mean, the finality of it, like having to, like, like knowing that is a burden. Yeah. It's a burden. 
but yeah. and and he faces it with such a plum yeah. that it speaks to his character that above all things pike's always going to do the right thing yeah and yeah. in that moment i think he does such anson mount did such a good job of watching time pass in a way where you watched his entire being go like just in that moment where he's like do i take it do i not take it because once he pulls that crystal he's accepted his fate yeah yeah and he still does it yeah absolutely and i think that there's i think that not in an explicitly biblical way mm-hmm. but in a way that he trying to think of the best way to put this that he in his own he has faith in in the system he has faith in starfleet he has yeah. faith in the federation yeah and you know whatever his personal ideals are yeah. but in that moment he makes a choice to put all of sentient life life above his own and honestly pike for sainthood buddy like i just oh, yeah. the man yeah absolutely the absolute man i love i love anson mount as captain pike he's yeah. so great Truly. It's he's he's absolutely wonderful. I think, you know, looking at especially that scene, you know, which in my mind could actually take place as the A plot. It's such a crucial thing. <laughs> um, but it is it as we discussed, it is the B plot here. But that moment is so crucial. I am desperate to know where what what was a writing decision in terms of the script what was a performance decision in terms of anson mount what was a directorial decision in terms of you know doug arnie okoski you know shaping this thing it it just boggles my mind as to where all the pieces fit together in terms of creating that scene and like like we do every week here on the show we we love these stories so much, but there's so much that goes into it behind the camera. So as we do every week, lovingly, of course, we ask the question, who do we blame? Love it. So this episode was written by Bo Yon Kim and Erica Lipholt. Uh, they've worked in the franchise uh, quite a few times already. Their last episode writing together was season two, episode six, Sound of Thunder, which we discussed with podcaster and game master Drew Burris back on episode 109. And this episode was directed by Doug Arniokoski, uh, as I mentioned already. Uh, and his last episode directing was the same episode, Sound of Thunder. So yeah. in terms of guest stars, we've got a lot of familiar faces returning. We've got Mia Kirshner as Amanda, Ethan Peck as Spock, Rachel Ann Cheryl as Nunn, uh, mm-hmm. the wonderful Tig Notaro as, as Jet Reno, Mary Chifo. Mary Chifo. Mary Chifo as, as Chancellor Laurel. Um, wonderful, wonderful. Kenneth Mitchell, who uh, is the elder time guardian Klingon, the son of, uh, you know, son of none, uh, the yeah. child of Laurel and Valk. Kenneth Mitchell has actually played a lot of different roles in Star Trek already. This is not his first appearance. And we've covered him before. So do yourself a favor check out his IMDb and really take a look at all the stuff that he's done in discovery. Yeah. He's he's absolutely wonderful. Um, But I do want to focus on a couple of folks here from the cast 
we've got Mr. David Benjamin Tomlinson as Lieutenant Junior Grade Linus. Now, he has made uh, quite a few appearances uh, throughout. He was a highlight of, I think it was the season two sneak peek where everyone is standing in the elevator and he sneezes in the face of one of the other officers. Um, But here we actually get to see we get to see uh, Tomlinson kind of stretch his legs a little bit under the prosthetics of yeah. that comprise Linus. So uh, his first credit was season one, episode 20 of Queer yeah. as Folk from 2001. He played Brent. And he's also credited as a writer of 19 out of 20 episodes of the writer's block from 2015 to 2018, where he also played David and executive produced all of season two that was 10 episodes wow yeah yeah so his first appearance in the franchise was actually the pilot episode season one episode one the vulcan hello as auric but his first appearance as linus was season two episode one brother um so yeah i think we've got a few more appearances from tomlinson as linus but uh, yeah, he does a great job. He does a great job. You know, how, much, how much do you love Linus? Oh my God. He's so <laughs> funny because he's just, he, he, he just, every scene he is in, they make him the comic relief and it works great. Yeah. <laughs> it's such and, a choice to make a guy in that much prosthetics. Usually. Yeah. No, I'm killing it. He's and, so funny. And being able to be the comic relief as an alien who is so alien like there's not yeah. a lot of facial yeah, yeah. movement there yeah. it is hard to but it, it works to deliver that kind of like comedy performance without being able to really use your face at all yeah yeah like, absolutely he's so good his it's all about timing he's very true very very true you know so, looking yeah, at out to him he's awesome as linus yeah, looking at some of the, and, I, and I'll be careful not to uh, spoil anything for you for Strange New Worlds, but one of the more recent episodes was a more comedic episode, but you had Anson Mount doing some very subtle yet hard-hitting comedy turns, but it involved his facial features. It involved so much. A, raise, a raise of the eyebrow. It involved a turn of the head, like you really need those things to sell it. So when you're able to sell it buried under prosthetics, you get all the love in the world that that we can give you. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, uh, I honestly, who do we blame? Nobody. Like great episode. (laughs) It's a great further the plot uh, furthered a bunch of plots. Yeah. Yeah. Managed to tie them all together. Oh yeah. Like I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was blown away. I got to be honest, I hadn't watched this episode since it aired and yeah. watching it. I was like, what a well executed episode of Star Trek. Very, very. And there's one last one last person I want to give a big shout out to, because Please. as someone who was essentially background early on, has come back in a big, big way. Ali Momin as specialist Cameron Gant, a.k.a. Yeah. Control. Like, yeah. Wow, what a performance and such oh. a such a well-positioned, well-delivered performance and able to turn from victim to predator at the drop of a hat. Like that. Yeah. Really, I'm telling you again, I hadn't seen this episode in a while. I watched it when it first aired. Yeah. They got me. 
Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. And too. so I'm watching the episode. I was like, I don't remember this character coming back. Uh-huh. It was like, he's a really memorable guy. And then the moment you watch Burnham make the realization, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh. he, the way he delivers the, the, the way he delivers the, if you go for that phaser, and I, I can cross this room in 0.46 seconds. You're like, wow. wow. That's a bad man. That yeah. is a bad, bad man. Well done. He, yeah, because not a lot of actors could have, because you got to think, right? If, if control is inhabiting different bodies, yep, you could have a bunch of different actors embody control. Oh, yeah. Well done. Like, yeah. Yeah, right, right there with Leland, like just killing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So a little bit about Ali Moment. Uh, his first credit is season one, episode eight of The Border from 2008. He plays Ahmed. But then this is really fascinating to me. He right after that, he was he had a small role in the film Traitor from 2008. Do you remember the film Traitor? I don't think so. Don Cheadle was prominently featured on the poster. It also stars Guy Pierce. Okay. So here's here's the here's like the summary. Oh yeah, yeah. So here's the summary. <clears throat> when Straight Arrow FBI agent Roy Clayton heads up the investigation into a dangerous international conspiracy, all clues seem to lead back to former US special ops officer Samir Horn. So it's very politically charged espionage thriller mystery type thing. Now, it was yeah. directed was directed by Jeffrey Nem uh, Nachmanov, okay, who also did the script with Steve Martin. Really? Yes, that Steve Martin, wild and crazy guys. Steve Martin <laughs> wrote this political espionage. Steve Martin, yeah, <laughs> amazing. That's the thing that just floored me. I was like, oh, I may need to go watch this movie. Also, also the producer of my all-time favorite comedy album, Let's Get Small. Yeah, yeah. Favorite comedy album ever made. I think Steve Martin is, you know, I think a lot of people, even comedy fans. Now, the people who are more studious about their comedy fandom yeah, kind of know. But a casual comedy fan might not realize is is asleep on on Steve Martin and how talented the man is truly comedy isn't pretty and let's get small or two of the best comedy albums ever made yeah yeah like and, and, just, and he throws in like musical comedy with stand-up seamless yeah yeah uh, god he has this bit that i have used as an example on how to write a joke really is, uh oh my god i'm trying to i don't want to misquote it but basically it's something like uh he was like so i was in san francisco the other day and uh somebody uh what do you call somebody walked up to me and said hey uh are are you bi and i said well i speak a little bit of spanish and uh <laughs> so they said uh they said well you know uh well, you, you should come over later we're having an snm party he said oh great spaniards and mexicans i i, I get to use the spanish <laughs> and socialize <laughs> and i just it's such a brilliant little play on words that i'm like well done Thanks. Are you yeah. Yeah. I speak a little bit of Spanish. That's so funny. <laughs> so oh. so good. Uh yeah, he's amazing. He's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. It's he's got a wonderful book out and of course all of his uh, books multiple 
um albums multiple it's he's cruel shoes yeah yeah so a little humans right (laughs) so a little bit more about ali moment uh after trader he went on to do a splinter cell blacklist video video game from 2013 Two episodes of The Strain in 2014 as Dr. William Lester. Then he uh, he did Far Cry Primal in 2016. And then he made his first appearance in the franchise, season one, episode one, The Vulcan Hello. But unfortunately, this is his last appearance in the franchise for now. Uh, never say never. Uh, but since uh, appearing in the franchise, he went on to do uh, some voice work in Paul Paw Patrol, the movie. Uh, five episodes of Transplant, which are uh, in season three. And then you can currently see him in eight episodes of Working Moms as Walker. So the guy's the guy's working. He's he's steady working and not surprising. He's really, really good. So I'd be surprised if he wasn't working. <laughs> so, Patrick, we come to the uh, other question that we ask every week. And I think I know where you're going to stand on this because I'm probably standing right next to you. Yeah. Is this essential viewing? If someone is working their way through the Star Trek franchise and they come to this episode mm-hmm. through the Valley of the Shadows, yeah, is this one that they can skip or is this a must-see episode? It's unskippable. Yeah. And, they, and, and for a lot of reasons, right? But the main reason why it's unskippable is the time crystal dingle pike it's the yeah. main reason because it completely changes how you perceive captain pike's character yeah his entire arc because anyone who's watched the original series nope knows pike's fate yeah we as a viewer know pike's fate and we're watching pike going man sucks the pike doesn't know his fate Except he does know his fate. He does. He's still going with it because of his duty to the Federation and yeah. to all of sentient life. What a G. Yeah. I think this, this single moment, that single moment of him choosing and taking the crystal. Yeah. I think puts him, it puts him really high up in the rankings of greatest captains oh sure greatest greatest star greatest starfleet figures is what i'll say oh yeah i mean pike is the man on top of that again just the performance that anson mount does as in general as pike but specifically in this episode yeah out of the three actors who have played pike Mm -hmm. i gotta tell you i think it's mount i think mount scott got all three of them yeah yeah like absolutely and that's the first captain we ever saw, you know, and just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and not to shortchange Jeffrey Hunter or, or, or Bruce Greenwood or He's Bruce right. Greenwood, who did an amazing job in the Kelvin yeah. timeline. Yeah. Um, but this is this is those those stories. I mean, the cage is clearly is clearly, you know, Pike's story. But at the same time. This franchise, this is where the franchise didn't have the juice to keep that story going. It was the pilot episode. Yeah. By the time it came back, everything had changed. And we were yeah. we were hip deep with Captain Kirk and we're off to the races. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't come back into play All until the tie up that tie up that storyline. Bingo. This yeah. expands on it and gives it a context. Yes. That did not previously exist. Yeah. And that context that's 
makes it such essential viewing because not only does it change the way you perceive Pike going forward, right. but it also changes the way that you perceived Pike in the past. And yeah. then there's that line. Hold on, I put it in my notes. Oh man, it was such a good line that was said on um, at at the monastery. When the future becomes the past, the present will be unlocked. And I think that that's an astute line about the way the viewer perceives Pike. Yeah, yeah. Because the future is now the past, and the president, the the present has it's totally unlocked the way we see him. Yeah. Everything's changed. He's yeah. a completely different character from this moment on. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, you know, the the question, is this essential viewing? I, I completely agree. Because, I mean, look at it this way. The plot alone makes this a must-see episode. Not to mention the character development, which we just mentioned, of Pike. We're seeing the continuing of the restoration of the relationship between Burnham and Spock as siblings and as colleagues within the Federation and Starfleet. But we're also seeing, uh, you know, we're getting a little bit deeper on Tyler and Laurel. We're revisiting that relationship. You know, even, even the C plot of Stamets and Culber, mm -hmm. nothing really happens a lot with them. Yeah. But we get a big glimpse at Jet yeah. Reno. That's yeah. that's the that's the revelation is Jet Reno. So yeah. this this if even if you're following a side character, odds are it's touched on here. Hell, Linus. Yeah, this Linus. Is, this is a big episode for Linus. We see him interacting with out, the crew. This is really where you find out that Linus is 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 a character. He, he's he's having a great time. Yeah, he's kind of the life of the party. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, Patrick, any parting thoughts as we start to wrap things up about this episode about uh discovery season two about how it sits within the franchise uh your another wonderful appearance here on the computer resume podcast any parting thoughts before we go i uh, can't wait to come back um i i love it so much uh star trek discovery is underrated mm. uh it doesn't get enough love for what it is yeah uh this episode specifically is really great, and it is one of many essential viewings if you're a fan of Star Trek at all. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's just, it's it's great. Uh, parting thoughts, uh, kind of unrelated, but uh, but please uh, save Star Trek Prodigy. Yes. Star Trek Prodigy, please. Sign the petition, pressure Paramount Plus, uh, and uh, also, um, yeah. That's, that's, that's really it. Just, it's, it's awesome. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you so much for carving out I the time. We here and I love you. Yes. I love you too. We, we always have a, such a great conversation when you come on and I can't wait for you to come back. I won't, I won't say when you're coming back, but needless to say, it's going to be soon. <laughs> good. Well, folks, next time we will be joined by project manager of Modifius Entertainment's Star Trek Adventures TTRPG, Jim Johnson, to discuss Discovery Season 2, Episodes 13 and 14, Such Sweet Sorrow, Parts 1 and 2, which mm. are available wherever you watch Star Trek. We support the strike. More on that in a few weeks. Mm. Patrick, where can people find you and reach out to you online? Um, 
I I have a comedy album up uh, that is on most streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. That album is called Prehistoric, P-R-E-H-I-P-S-T-O-R-I-C. Uh, and my name is Patrick Cunningham, not to be confused with Patrick Cunningham or Patrick Cunningham, which is apparently the most like common name in Ireland. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, you could uh, you could fo- follow me on Instagram at uh, Young Firestein. That's Y U N G F I E R S T E I N. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I'll be back here. So we'll talk soon. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?